Welcome to decaf on a day where Mark has decided not to wear a t-shirt for a reason that I'm not sure of, but you don't, I mean, you look nice, Mark, and don't take this the wrong way, but you don't look like yourself when you're all dressed up. Oh yeah, it's perfect. Um, no, I, I, um, it was for the interview with Dennis. That's the only reason I did it. Yes. Dennis Ferrier, our favorite, our, maybe, maybe my favorite reporter that I've ever known. He's, he's, yeah, the he's, man. A, he's a great guy. Great Mark's guy. got some good stuff coming out with him later. Um, but speaking of some good stuff that's coming out later, next Thursday, we have a huge event taking place at the Beacon office sponsored by us, Americans for Prosperity, and the Big Daddy sponsor, the ones putting it all together, the Millennial Debt Foundation. Mark, mm. tell us a little bit about this event and what we can expect. It's really cool. Um, so, so Weston Womp, he's kind of the head of that, but I mean, he, he reached out and said, Hey, I think you guys would be good to kind of co-host it with us. And it's going to be exciting because it's a, uh, it's a nonpartisan event, but it's, I mean, it's a, it's about, it's about debt. So it's like, you're not going to have a lot of liberals there, but it's cool that he got, he got all three of the, the past three governors. He has the current governor, Lee's going to come to our office. Um, governor Bredesen, who is a Democrat, is going to be at our office, who, again, I mean, kind of an old school type Democrat. There's not a lot of them left who like kind of cares about debt, cares about things like that. And, and then Bill Haslam, Governor Haslam is going to be there virtually. He will not be in our office, but it's going to be a cool event because you're going to hear governors talk about debt. And Tennessee is kind of one of the states that, that people should look at. We have the lowest debt per capita. So it's cool that they're having that there. They've had one event so far, the Millennial Debt Foundation in Texas, where they had um, Dan Crenshaw, I think Chip Roy, um, George P. Bush. They, they, had a lot of, they had a lot of great people there. So and I think he's doing another one in Milwaukee coming up with um, Governor Walker and some other people. So it's a, it's a cool thing because it's, it's at a time where debt is is such a big deal and nobody seems to care about it. I think we talked about this, like Democrats just pretend like it doesn't even exist anymore. And Republicans only care about it when they're not in office and they want to criticize the other people in their right. office. It's fine. So right. it's cool that there's an organization like this with people our age, you know, I mean, what's the young guy to talk about like, this is going to affect us in the future. So it, it's a cool idea. I think it'll be a really great event. It's next Thursday from I think about one to two twenty. One to two, yeah, one to two. You can register online. I'll post the link in this. Um, in the and it's all virtual to be clear. Yes, it's all virtual. I will be listening to it from the comfort of my couch, and we'll be enjoying it. Justin's going to be part of it. There's going to be a bunch of people who are taking part in this because it's virtual. It, it allows for that. So I'm really excited uh, that we get to be part of it. It seems really cool, and it seems like something that is truly a nonpartisan issue, whether people want to admit it or not. Yeah, and it's kind of a bipartisan issue. They don't care about that. But I mean, it's important to other people. And, and I mean, yeah, Justin's going to interview Governor Lee. So that'll be a great conversation. Too. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, so be sure to tune in for that, uh, talking about the debt. Another thing that people aren't talking about as much, but they need to be talking about as much is innovation. We talk about it a lot at Beacon. But as we're coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the economic catastrophe that happened as a result of the pandemic, there are a lot of people who want to create better solutions to things in healthcare, things in business that are going to help us to move forward. And we want Tennessee to lead the nation in that. And there's this really cool thing called an innovation sandbox that we are pursuing this year um, that we've done a lot of research on that we've been really excited to hopefully see Tennessee embrace. Mark, do you want to walk through what a sandbox is or do you want me to? No, I, I can kind of talk about you can add, but yeah, the regulatory sandbox bill, which is what we're pushing, we're kind of calling innovation freedom. That's what we're discussing as um, it could be the broadest in the nation um, if it passes uh, and Beacon Impact is working on that. Um, but what it, what it essentially is like for new businesses or existing businesses that want new products or innovators, it allows them to not have to deal with some of these rules and regulations and red tape that A, don't apply to them and B, have nothing to do with health and safety. So with these new ideas, a lot of times there's not actual laws in the book to, to 
to deal with them and regulations. So they take regulations that are completely unrelated. And I think you should talk about the Adam Jackson story a little bit when I'm done here, but, um, but it, it's something that's a real problem. And it's like, it, it, it makes stifles innovation and stifles jobs and, and things like that. So it's really cool. We're not doing anything with health, health and safety. Health and safety is the most important thing. So regulations for that can stay in place. So anything that we would waive or any of these things would be waived would be strictly just something where it's like, it has nothing to do with health and safety. And it's to see if we can get the business off the ground and, and not have to deal with like the government strangling them with red tape. Yeah. So what you mentioned, our friend Adam Jackson, he um, is former military guy, created this software that just so we are clear, is not an alarm. It was a software that would help scan facial, facial recognition of people who are in the existing sex offenders database and schools or churches or concert venues could purchase this software, put it on their computer surveillance system to help know, just to know when there's a, a past offender on their property. Not an alarm, doesn't alert anyone but the business itself. It's not an alarm. But he got caught up in the red tape of the alarm board years ago. And after two years, the alarm board finally said, oh, you know what, this isn't an alarm. But two years in the tech industry is forever. And so Adam had to abandon that innovation because so many things had already come on the market and start to pursue something else. And because he is an innovator and because that's what he does, he readily you know, started to pursue other things. But it, he was so held up and mired in all of this red tape that he couldn't he couldn't get his brilliant innovation through and so that's the, one of the things that innovation sandboxes try to remedy is letting people explore the space play in a sandbox like kids do create things while maintaining the health and safety of the consumers but without getting caught up in all this regulation and red tape and then go back on the back end and say well this has existed for two years without it is it really necessary and so a lot of states have looked at things like this Tennessee just being one of them and so what we hope for a regulatory sandbox in the future is that it not only provides a framework for people who are already in Tennessee to create and build new things, but draw more people into Tennessee. And this becomes an innovation hub of the United States. Yeah, like we want the idea that Elon Musk wants to come to Tennessee because of the, you know, over-regulation stifling of business in California. I think he's in Texas now. But even, even this, we would be, you know, better than Texas because we would have a place where, look, these dumb rules and regulations, they probably don't even apply to you, but because it's a new technology, they can't figure out what applies to you. Like you can work without that. You can do this business. And if, and if they decide after, you know, two years that, well, you know what, one of these rules does need to apply to you, it can still do it, but it won't stop you when you get off the ground. And again, the most important thing to mention is, a lot of people say, oh, well, we don't want to waive regulations. It has nothing to do with health and safety. I think that is so important because health and safety are absolutely protected. Um, it's just this red tape that I, this Adam Jackson story is a, a great example of that the government basically said that it, these rules don't apply to him, but it's after two years and his business it couldn't get off the ground because of that. So like innovators and business people don't have two years. That's not most no. people, unless they're millionaires or billionaires, don't have two years to wait around for the government to even figure out. And, and there was no guarantee the government would rule on that. So it's um, it, it's a great idea. It's it's something that's new and it's kind of just getting the government out of the way of entrepreneurs and innovators. And that's that's why we love it. Yeah, so that's what the concept of regulatory sandbox is. If you have any other questions, we're going to be posting about it a whole lot just to help people understand what we mean when we say regulatory sandbox because it kind of sounds really weird. We talked about it with the Jeep Pie a couple of years ago on our overcaffeinated or a year ago. It's really a fascinating thing, and we're really hopeful that Tennesseans will embrace this idea um, moving forward into the future. Um, so, Mark, you mentioned something about being better than Texas. I think I can't wait until people say I can't wait till we're better than Tennessee. Let me just add that in that's really right. quick. But you're talking about better than Texas. And so let's talk about Texas for a second. Governor Abbott this week and Mississippi's governor um, 
lifted their mask mandates. In Williamson County in Tennessee, the mask mandate expired on Sunday night. And so all of these states and cities, it seems like, are starting to lift mandates about COVID. And I know there are a lot of different thoughts on this. Mark, you can say yours. I can say mine first, whatever you think. But there's a, there's a lot of different thoughts on this um, coming from the executive, the head of our country. President Biden said it was Neanderthal thinking. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think that there's still it. We still need to be safe and careful. But Mark, if you want to talk first, you can go and then I'll go. Yeah, to me, I guess the, the mass mandate has been something that has been kind of secondary because I feel like to me, the businesses being shut down has been the biggest issue and the thing that we need to address more. And that's why I think one of the things Abbott did too, I think that at least in the state level, it's 100% capacity, which I think is a great, incredible step in the right direction. I think everything should be 100% capacity. Um, and I think that would, I mean, what it's done to businesses and it's really ravaged small businesses. We've talked the whole time that the rules never really went with science. They kind of did what they thought a lot at the beginning. We didn't really know what it was. So I kind of get it, but it's just been, we now know what it is and we're still having these same um, <laughs> Neanderthal regulations. I would say <laughs> if we want to go there uh, where we're not allowing capacity in businesses and it just, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And so many people have had their livelihoods taken away from them because of these, these COVID rules that have had nothing to do with the facts or the science. So I think that's more, the, the mass mandate. Um, I think that, we probably agree that mask mandate should probably be up to individual businesses. If you want to have a mandate to say you can't come in here without a mask, it's your private business. You should be able to do what you want, you know? And if you say, you know what, I, I don't care if people have masks and anybody coming in here um, doesn't need to have a mask. Like you, you advertise that. And if you don't feel comfortable in that environment, don't, you don't have to go in, you know? And I, I will still continue wearing my mask um, because I choose to, but I don't think the government, especially the on a statewide order should be doing that. And I think that Texas got it right um, by taking away the mandate. I still will wear it because I think it makes sense. Um, and I think businesses should do whatever they choose to, you know, and I think that counties and cities, I mean, I think Williamson County lifting it, that, that's a, they had the option and, and Davidson County still has not, um, but that's at least it's on the local level instead of kind of a national mandate or even a state level mandate. And I, yeah. I, I mean, we got to give, Governor Lee credit for never doing a, I think a national or a statewide mandate on it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I will wear my mask because I want to be courteous of people who maybe can't because of um, lung issues or breathing issues. I'm And I can, so I'm going to, I mean, the mask knee is an issue, but it's not enough of an issue to keep me from wearing the mask. But I, I, I think we're in a hundred percent agreement. We're doing this more often. We're in a hundred percent agreement, mm -hmm. like more often these days, but I think it's more about opening businesses. And if, you say like businesses have the freedom to issue a mask mandate once you walk in their doors, but you don't have to wear it. When I was in Breckenridge, for example, um, you had to wear it walking up and down the street or you would get told by a police officer to put your mask wow. on. I think things like that are impractical um, because you're out in the great outdoors and also it's a citywide mandate. But I, I think that as long as we're opening businesses, I'm perfectly happy to wear my mask as long as people can get back to work. Um, but yeah, good on Governor Abbott for, and good on Governor Lee for, for looking at a lot of these things and saying, this isn't making a lot of sense. Let's open businesses and let adults be adults. That's it, it was crazy when I went down to Florida because I, I went to Destin. I think I told you, like, I, I went to a restaurant. It was 100% capacity. Nobody even on the staff was wearing masks. And people gave bad reviews online. I'm like, I understand why you don't like that. Like, I, I completely get it. But like, you don't have to go there. And I think yeah. that's what we keep forgetting. It's like, nobody's forced to go eat at a steakhouse. I mean, that's, that, nobody's forced to do that. If you want to talk about government buildings, maybe that's one thing. But like any private business, like, they should be allowed to put a mask mandate in if they want or not, if they don't want to. And I think that that's 
a consistent thing that we do believe that businesses have the right to, to do that. I mean, same thing with smoking, right? Like we, uh, yeah. I, I don't smoke. I think smoking is not great, but I do think bars should have the right to do it. I don't think the government, local government should be saying no bars can smoke. It's like, if you want it and people can choose whether they want to go there or not. And if people don't like me, I don't like to do the smoking bars. They might go to business, but at least they have the choice of what they want to, what they want to offer. Right. I think it's all about the freedom argument, freedom to open a business, freedom to wear a mask, freedom to not wear a mask. It's all the freedom argument. When I was young, this is kind of unrelated. My dad had this idea, which I thought was kind of a genius idea at the time where he said that he like he doesn't smoke. He said he wants to open a smoking bar where you basically have only smokers allowed because like there's so I feel like those people feel like they've been really kind of screwed by these governments. Like, man, imagine the the business that would do where like you have to smoke if you you go in. It it was an interesting idea that that he said just because, I mean, of all the pushback of the government shutting down any smoking, even if you want to have a little area that's safe, then they still said no. Open it like in the county where the city where city regulations don't. Yeah. It. It's just that's like, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, it's just an interesting thought, but it's just, it's, I mean, I think smoking's horrible. I, I never want to smoke cigarettes. It's bad for your lungs, but um, it doesn't mean that just because we're morally or, or just against it health wise, doesn't mean that we should be telling other people to do that. We shouldn't yeah. be telling other people that they can't drink a, a 38 ounce soda or that they can't get Wendy's too. I mean, that's not the role of government. And it, I think it's kind of goes back to this the same idea. And I just think that the more and more we get away from we, we have this disagreement with the left oftentimes of what the fundamental role of government is. And it's just- the And the right sometimes too. Or and like the, right. the so-called right. Yeah, 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 the so-called right. The chasm is getting bigger and bigger between those of us who think the government is for essential functions and those that think that the government is the be-all, end-all, we say and you do kind of entity. Um, I, I think that the chasm is getting wider, but I hope that forcing people to do certain things during the pandemic will see the pendulum swing the other way. Um, you talked about when you were younger last week, we talked about Mr. Potato Head. Let's talk about a few more things when you were younger, Mark. We said that we were going to talk about our favorite childhood toys this week. And uh, I really took a walk down memory lane um, over the past few days. Mark, were you a Hot Wheels guy? I can see you as a Hot Wheels guy. No, I, I was never into the car thing. I just don't like them. I don't think, I mean, I don't think it was cool. I don't really get why people like them. Fair. Um, I was an easy bake oven girl. I remember getting an Easy Bake Oven. That stuff tasted like straight crap. It was not good, but it was so fun to make. I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I think I ate something from there. I'm like, oh, that's gross. Like, how did that work? It was just kind of like a fake oven that wasn't dangerous. Like, is that yes. how it worked? It was like a little box with heating coils in it. And you put, it was like powder and water. So like no butter, no nothing. You just put it in a little pan and it ran through the oven and it came out and you could put like frosting and stuff on it and eat it. And it was just like a... It was like a dry cake like thing, but the experience was incredible. I would be like, mom, I made you a cake. And she was like, why don't you eat that, sweetie? Like, <laughs> it was like not good. <laughs> yeah, for like a seven-year-old, it's like, I made this myself. So it doesn't really yeah. matter how it tastes. I mean, it's not like they have great palates anyway. So it's like, I guess it's just cool that you did it. Yeah, I think it's a cool, I, if I was into cooking, I think I would have liked that. But And all not. of Barbie's accessories, like the limo and the airplane and all that stuff. I was I was a Barbie girl, but I was also, I had a bunch of glow-in-the-dark Nerf footballs. And that was my, that was one of my favorites too. Yeah, I like, yeah, the Nerf footballs are good. I didn't get into, I think a lot of the trends that people like, I wasn't really into. Um, I do remember I had, I liked the, um, the Tamagotchis. I think those were so, like, those did. were cool. I can see that. Did you have a Furby? I was trying to think of that. Um, I think a lot of my friends, I don't know if I had one. I might've, I know I wasn't into it. I might've had one because I feel like everyone else did. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and I like the, the Nerf guns were cool. The super soakers. Um, super soakers. Yeah. I liked it. And my favorite, I said my favorite game as a kid, and it was actually kind of older kid. Like I was probably like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, but remember that game Bop It? 
yeah, bop it, twist it, pull it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you, and it was actually a good mental game because you had to remember the, the, the patterns and rhythms and everything. And that was probably my favorite game. That was a little bit older than childhood, but I like, that was probably six, seven, eight grade, but it was a cool game. And I love playing. It was actually a good, that's one of those games that like adults fool you with. They're like, oh yeah, I found this game. It's like, it's actually teaching you something like that's probably good for memory and things like that. Yes, I had this globe that was like all these games on the globe and you could play this game called Eureka where you tried to name countries' capitals all over the globe and I thought it was so much fun because I liked the little song and like now I know all of these capitals of these like rando countries all over the world because of that globe. Let, let's let's do a uh, let, let's do a, a tribute. What about um what about Saudi Arabia? Don't ask me this, Mark. I don't remember. You said you know all these capitals. I'm trying, I'm trying I know, to but I mean like I remember like Colombia. I even know that I know that one. What? Like, I remember, like, Colombia is Bogota or Bogota or whatever, because it was, like, it sounded cool. Colombia, Bogota, whatever. It, don't test me. Off. Okay, well, it sounds like you don't know quite as many capitals as, <laughs> as I thought. What is Saudi Arabia's capital, then? Riyadh. Oh, well. I, I mean, I had, to, I had to give you a tough one that I knew, because I, I only know. What about, like, you know, Sweden? You should know Sweden, right? Stockholm? Yeah, I think so. Okay, <laughs> we think so. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't let your um, kids watch this for their uh, virtual schooling. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That is funny though. I mean, like as as an adult uh, or as a kid, you just don't realize a lot of things your parents are doing that you feel like you're almost getting away with something. It's like, oh man, it's going to play this video I'm game. Playing Bobby for six hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You feel like you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I spent so much time doing something fun. And like, meanwhile, they're in the back, like. Yeah, like you're learning something. And I'm not going to let you know that because I don't want you to not enjoy it. But even some of the computer games I played, like remember Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yes. I love that game. But you really kind of learned how a business worked, how money worked, how you make sacrifice. Like there's a lot of these games that are maybe not like Grand Theft Auto or like right. a, a video or like a, a football video game. But there's a lot of good things in a lot of these computer games that we played as kids. I played this game called Bodyland that taught you all about the organs, like your, your organs, like your digestive system and your heart and your brain and teeth and all these different things that was so full, fun and cool with all the colors and now i know like random things about the human body that like i thought those were like about like burying dead bodies like hiding them more like grand theft auto i'm like that doesn't sound but, but that that sounds like a, a much better that was for it was more pure it was more pure than what you're thinking <laughs> yeah, Mark. Yeah. i was thinking um, like just going yeah trying to bury bodies after you kill people that's probably not as good that's what i watch on netflix now that i'm yeah, that's right. <laughs> i love murder shows Gee, that's, right. that's what we should talk about next week is murder shows and like guilty pleasure shows we'll do that okay. next week um but guys thanks for listening i'll put the link to the um to the registration for the millennial debt foundation event here and if you're interested in innovation sandboxes regulatory fast track anything like that um let us know we can we're happy to explain it but have a great week and we'll talk to you later